Joanne Ozug, and you are listening to The Road to Carnivore, episode 11. In this episode, we are going to talk all about gut health. This topic is really dear to me because this is really why I tried carnivore. And it's this way of eating that finally got me to a place of good gut health after an unbearably long search for a way to heal the digestive problems that I was riddled with for my entire life. If you listened to my story in episode two, I shared pretty in depth about the problems I had on both ends prior to carnivore. I'm not going to make you listen to the details of that again, but not only was it painful and miserable, but digestive problems are kind of embarrassing too. Many of the people I've worked with have talked about how things like irritable bowel syndrome impacts their social life, their dating life, and how much anxiety you can have traveling and being worried about where's the bathroom and all the discomfort that comes with having gut issues. And as a population, we are plagued with digestive problems. The National Institute of Health estimates that in the U.S., 60 to 70 million people are affected by digestive diseases and nearly two-thirds of Americans have GI symptoms. In the introduction of a report I linked to, they say, the burden of gastrointestinal, liver, and pancreatic diseases in the U.S. is staggering as they are substantial sources of morbidity, mortality, and cost. Each year, these conditions account for 105 million ambulatory care visits, 14 million hospital admissions, 236,000 deaths, and $142 billion in total costs. I mean, wow, so many people are suffering from gut problems. But the good news is that so much of it can be alleviated by changing the food that goes into the body. What's really interesting about the gut is that even though it's typically thought of as part of the digestive system whose job is to absorb nutrients, it's also a huge part of your immune system. 70% of your entire immune system is in your gut. What's really important to understand about the gut is that it's incredibly thin. In order to accommodate the absorption of nutrients and water, the intestinal epithelium is only one cell thick. So it's a very thin and delicate tissue. And it's kind of like the skin on the outside of your body in that your gut protects you from the food passing through. Just like the skin on your arm that protects your insides from the bacteria and grime of the outside world, your gut is doing the same thing. And much like not wanting to get a cut in your arm because it opens up a place for pathogens to get inside your body and put you at risk for infection, you also do not want any cuts or holes in your gut either. But this is what happens when you develop leaky gut or intestinal permeability. The gut gets damaged and the bacteria and other things in your intestinal tract start leaking inside your body where it isn't supposed to be and you get a system-wide immune response. When you get a cut on your arm, you can clean it and put a Band-Aid on it and generally do okay. But when you get holes in structural damage in your gut, that's a big problem. Gluten is very well known in the research to increase intestinal permeability. Remember in episode four, I talked about a study where they found that exposure to gliadin, which is a component of gluten, increased markers of leaky gut and inflammation in every group of people, celiac or not. And experts in this line of work believe gluten does small amounts of damage to everyone every time they eat it, increasing the likelihood of developing severe leaky gut and inflammation long-term. Remember that gluten is a plant compound that is impossible for the stomach to break down. Celiacs are so incredibly sensitive to it that they can't tolerate it at all. And the only known treatment for celiac disease is to never consume gluten. 
And the reason I want to stress that is because likewise, the only treatment that ever worked to eliminate my gut problems has been to not consume plants. I actually got to the root cause of my problems. And the lack of root cause thinking is one of my issues with conventional advice around gut health in general. Much of the mainstream advice centers around the power of probiotics. Before carnivore, I spent a lot of time researching probiotics and getting all the probiotic products that I could into my body. I drank kombucha and kefir, I ate kimchi and sauerkraut, and I bought all sorts of expensive probiotics, hoping it would resolve my health issues. There was even a time when I tried taking three probiotics because a book I had read said that for an effective probiotic protocol, you actually need three types, a soil-based probiotic, a lacto-bifido blend, and an S. boulardi probiotic. But that didn't do anything for me either, and I was really frustrated. So you can imagine that I felt quite validated when I later found out that many experts and doctors believe probiotics don't do anything. This was very surprising to me the first time I heard it because we are all constantly told to take probiotics to improve gut health, and I've dropped a lot of money on these pills. The general consensus for why we should take these probiotics is to populate our gut with good bacteria. If you've ever taken an antibiotic before, you're usually instructed to take probiotics to repopulate the gut afterward. But this is a fallacy. Probiotics do not populate your gut. Gut doctors actually know and acknowledge this, But even further, two professors from Israel's Institute of Science found that after taking an antibiotic, taking probiotics actually delayed the restoration of bacteria compared to doing nothing. It's almost funny. I mean, it's not funny when I think about how much money I've spent on these products, but it actually is funny that taking probiotics is worse than doing nothing. You can watch an interview with these two professors on an episode of 60 Minutes called Do Probiotics Actually Do Anything? And it's such a fascinating watch. There's another section with someone named Dr. Patricia Hibbard, who's an infectious disease specialist and professor of medicine at Boston University. And she talks about how there is no convincing evidence that probiotics have been found to be beneficial for reducing diarrhea, treating irritable bowel syndrome, or decreasing allergies. It's pretty interesting, considering it's a multi-billion dollar industry. Looking back, it makes so much sense to me that in order to resolve my lifelong gut issues, I needed to get to the root cause. I needed to stop eating plants with compounds that damaged my gut, not add bacteria pills hoping that would fix the problem. The marketing for new products in this industry is endless, and the probiotic frenzy continues to progress. Like now, there are prebiotics, which you are supposed to take to feed the bacteria, and a few weeks ago, I saw an article on postbiotics. It's all so absurd, especially in the lens of a root cause point of view, where we have most of these gut problems from compounds we don't tolerate in the food we're eating. And if you take a step back and think about it, the idea that we need bacteria pills to balance or manipulate or assist our guts doesn't really make sense. People make tons of money off these products, and if you are someone who struggles with gut issues and have been on the probiotic purchasing train, I wanted to touch on this idea that it may not go anywhere long term. There are endless kinds of gut and digestive diseases. There's Crohn's, ulcerative colitis, diverticulitis, irritable bowel syndrome, gastroesophageal reflux disease, celiac disease, SIBO, which is small intestinal bacterial overgrowth, candida overgrowth. And then there's the general gut problems like constipation, diarrhea, gas, acid reflux, and so on. And what's incredible about carnivore is that for every single one of these gut diseases and problems I've listed, 
There are thousands of people who will tell you that they put those diseases and symptoms into remission with a carnivore way of eating. Carnivore can be incredibly effective for healing the gut because it's kind of the ultimate elimination diet. There are a lot of different diet modifications that people suggest to help with digestive health, the most well-known one being the FODMAP diet, where you eliminate foods like garlic, onion, and wheat. But these variations in diet didn't work for me. The only change that has made all of my gut problems disappear and stay away is carnivore, no plants. The problem is there are just too many different compounds that plants make that affect the gut, so it can be really tricky to figure out what's causing problems. One of the most pervasive ingredients that most people are unaware they're consuming is emulsifiers. These are in everything. They are in nearly all processed foods as an ingredient that binds together foods that generally don't mix, like oil and water. These are your soy lecithins, your various gums like guar gum, acacia gum, xanthan gum, carrageenan, polysorbate 60 or 80, propylene glycol, and there are so many more. Many of these have been shown to cause intestinal inflammation and increase intestinal permeability. I've linked to a study where researchers gave two common emulsifiers to mice. They gave them polysorbate 80 and carboxymethylcellulose, and this led to a thinning of the mucus barrier and gastrointestinal inflammation. Metabolically, they also got fatter and had higher blood sugar levels. Additionally, they found that emulsifiers fed to mice genetically prone to develop colitis, which is inflammation of the gut, caused them to develop severe cases of this disease. There are many other foods like sugar, artificial sweeteners, and alcohol that have been shown to increase intestinal permeability. I've linked to a study where they looked at the effects of several food additives like sugar, metal oxide nanoparticles, surfactants, which is another word for emulsifier, and sodium chloride, all things that have been suggested to increase intestinal permeability. And they found that of the additives tested, leaky gut was increased most dramatically by sugar. We also talked in episode four about plant compounds that are known to damage the gut, like lectins, glycoalkaloids, and oxalates. These compounds are in a ton of plant foods, and I already shared lists of these plants in that episode, but remember that most plants, for instance, have lectins. What we know definitively about plants is that they contain toxins that damage the gut in various ways and in varying degrees. Between all these compounds, it all becomes very hard to avoid and sort out what is happening. This is why carnivore can be such a great tool for getting a healthy baseline of good gut health, because it gives your body a break from having to deal with plant toxins and constantly having to repair the cell lining. If you think about how long it takes for a cut on your arm to heal, you can imagine how much energy it takes for your gut lining to repair itself and be restored to a place of good gut integrity. The time frame varies person to person, but estimates for healing leaky gut are between one and six months. But what's incredible about gut symptoms is you can get pretty immediate improvements and feedback from your body when you change the food you eat. Almost universally on carnivore or carnivore-ish, things like gas, acid reflux, and digestive problems go away or greatly diminish within a few days. This is how it went for me too. When I tried carnivore-ish, I got relief from my bleeding and digestive symptoms within a few days. And when I went back to eating non-carnivore foods two weeks later, the bleeding and constipation came back. So even though I stopped experiencing symptoms for those two weeks, my gut clearly wasn't fully healed. At this point, after doing carnivore for a year, my gut seems to be doing great. There have been a few times when I've deviated from carnivore during holidays or travel, and things that I used to eat that would give me crazy gas and consequences like ice cream 
I can actually get away with now every once in a while without digestive upset or really any angry gut response, which I take as a really good sign of how much my gut has recovered. I don't go crazy with it. It has to be very occasional. But it's cool to see how much healthier my gut is because of carnivore. The last thing I want to address in this episode is criticism that carnivore is bad because you don't have as diverse of a microbiome. You can find a ton of articles saying that diets like keto, low fiber, and carnivore are potentially dangerous for the microbiome and gut health because they don't feed your gut bacteria and you have less diversity. But why have we adopted this idea that the more bacteria you have, the better? I mean, it's certainly a great narrative for the people selling bacteria pills that don't actually populate your gut. But researchers have found many cases where diversity of gut bacteria is actually negatively associated with health. I've linked to a paper that discusses a bunch of examples looking at gut microbiota and neuropsychiatric disorders. And they reference evidence that an increase in microbiota is associated with depression and autism. I've also linked to an article by a PhD named Caitlin Cowan, who addresses the question, is diversity good? And she says, as microbiome science is maturing, the answer is becoming more complex. We are finding more examples where higher diversity is not a good thing, either because it's just not very meaningful or worse, where it might be associated with disease or dysfunction. What's clear about different types of bacteria is that different creatures need different kinds. A cow has certain kinds of bacteria to digest grass that humans don't have. We don't eat grass, so why would we need that bacteria? Why do we necessarily want more? What's it for? Studies have shown that people who eat a wide variety of plants have more diversity of bacteria, but they probably have a greater need for assistance breaking down the fiber and indigestible plant matter. You don't need that on carnivore. I really don't believe in this idea that more is somehow better. Nothing has been better for my gut than going carnivore. I tried absolutely everything that people prescribe for gut problems, and I also exhausted the medical route and had an endoscopy and a colonoscopy, and nothing worked until I adopted a carnivore way of eating. It's kind of incredible when you end up at a solution that is so unbelievably simple. I have no gas on this way of eating, no acid reflux, no constipation, no hemorrhoids, no bloating. So many people take digestive problems as a given. I have a lot of friends who joke about how there are certain foods where you need to preemptively get out the Prilosec and the Tums. And I don't think a lot of people realize what these foods are doing. They are damaging essentially the skin of your insides, your gut. And these are signs that maybe those foods shouldn't be eaten. My husband loves to talk about how much he loved eating Thai green curry, but he always knew it would hurt afterward. He thinks it's sort of funny and scary that he didn't really draw the connection for a long time. And this was true for me too. I took the heartburn, gas, and digestive problems as a disorder that I had the bad luck of being stuck with. But these symptoms don't have to be a part of your everyday. Changing the foods that you choose to put in your body can have a massive impact on your gut health and your day-to-day well-being. I do sometimes miss eating things like spicy Thai green curry back when I was eating with blissful ignorance. But it's very clear now that these foods cause my body distress and the consequences are not worth it for me. This may not be true for you. And I think it's important to remember that you don't have to give up foods you love that require Tums. We are all adults with our own bodies and can do whatever we want with them. But I also want to put it out there that after you experience a new baseline of health from something like carnivore, you may surprise yourself and find out that you don't want to go back. Thanks for listening to The Road to Carnivore. 
If you found this podcast to be thought-provoking or valuable, please share it with someone who might be interested to hear this information. Maybe someone who hasn't been able to figure out their health problems or might want to hear a different side of the story when it comes to food. I'll see you next time.